and welcome to Everyone's Special and No One Is, a podcast about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. My name is Martin, and this is another Weeks of Beats episode, which is the segment where I immerse myself into a particular genre or style of music, and then do my best to try and recreate it. So this is going to be a little different than the previous Weeks of Beats episodes, because Before, I would always introduce the piece of music bit by bit and then play it on the podcast talking about how I created it. But this time, if you've listened to last week's episode about whether or not time exists, you have already heard all of the music that I'm going to be talking about in this episode because the topic is podcast background music and How do you make something that works in the background of a podcast specifically? And the reason why I wanted to do this as a genre of music that I'm experimenting with creating is because it falls into the broader category of background music or library music in general. And that is something that I think I could potentially be really good at if I worked at it and made music in different styles, and then started pitching my music to some of these production libraries out there, because that is a very lucrative, (laughs) a very lucrative thing. If you can do it well, and if you can, like I said, get in some of the big production libraries. But uh, I wanted to focus on podcasting, one, because I already have a podcast, and two, because depending on the type of media, the sort of background music is going to be very, very, very different. So, for instance, YouTube videos, if it's like a vlog or something, you might hear like fun EDM music, or you might hear lo-fi hip-hop music. Or if it's like one of those reality TV YouTube series, it might be like a mix of like, I don't know thinking music with also like fun upbeat when something fun is happening or like dramatic pauses when the people on screen are fighting with each other and it's like building up the drama and so it's just like there's a lot of different styles of library music and they don't all work for every type of media which is why you know, podcasting is a great place to start. I have a podcast. I can already put these cues to use in real time, in a real episode, which is why I did that for the Does Time Exist episode. So I'm just going to be talking about how I made the music in that episode, and we're going to dive into it. So while I was preparing to work on the music for this episode, I was listening to some different podcasts that I follow and taking note of Each time there's background music in the episode, what instruments are being played, and just like rough descriptions of the groove or melody or chords that are being played. But I will say that there's hardly ever like a traditional melody, meaning a melody that you would be able to sing along with easily. It's it's mostly just like chords or arpeggios or just like the sort of riffing or grooving that would make no sense to have someone sing and would be hard to repeat back because it's all about the texture. It's about setting a mood for whatever part of the podcast it's being used in. And it's not about like jumping out and being in your face and 
you know, it's background music. That's the whole point. Um, but what I found interesting about like podcast music specifically is that it is very minimalistic. There's only usually like maybe two or three instruments playing at once. You may have like five or six, but that would be like on the, on the high end of how many instruments would be playing at a single time. You may only have like a percussion groove and there may be no other bass or piano or anything. Like you only have drums for instance, or you may only have like a synthesizer playing a sort of pulsating riff like thing, but no bass, no chords, no anything, just this single note or this single chord playing on a synthesizer. Um, and lengthwise they tend to be around like 30 to 60 seconds depending on how long it's used for i mean i have no idea how long the original library track was before they put it in the podcast and in a lot of cases i'm actually not even certain if the people who produce the podcast are using library tracks like if the musicians are creating just like a ton of music and then being like okay podcast people here you go use whatever you want or on the other hand, if they're like actually listening to the specific episode and trying to make music that fits with whatever content is being said, like I don't know, it could be a mix of both. I would have to, I'd have to, I guess, talk to the people who made the podcast in order to figure that out. Um, but I think probably the main reason why it's so minimalistic compared to other types of background music is because. In a podcast, it is very, very rare for you to have a section of the podcast that only focuses on the music, you know? Like, you're almost always going to have someone talking, like, the whole time in the podcast. Maybe you have just, like, 5, 10, 15 seconds of space in between somebody finishing making a point, giving the listener time to sort of digest that point, where you play a little bit of music for 15 seconds before you move into the next topic, right? But in under no circumstances are you going to just play music for like two to three minutes, unless of course it's a music podcast and the point is that you're listening to the music, you know? But um, what's, what's so different with that is that in more traditional like audiovisual media, TV, movies, etc., you often might have like a montage or some sort of action happening on the screen where characters are moving around and they're doing things. Maybe it's a battle. Maybe it's a fight scene. Maybe it's something sad that's happening, but nobody's talking, you know, but there still needs to be music that sort of lifts up and amplifies the emotion of whatever's going on. So in that case where there's no dialogue to compete with, the music can be really expressive and really melodic and like really attention grabbing. But in the context of podcasting, your music cannot do that at all, like under no circumstance, because you do not want to detract from what is being said. And there's always going to be somebody talking over your music, you know, no matter what. So... Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why podcast music tends to be pretty short, pretty minimalistic, um, pretty soft, and 
Yeah, th- those are some of the some of the observations I observed. Obviously, you're not going to have like singing in a podcast background music. <laughs> um, and if you did, it would probably be like oohs and ahs, or like singing without words in some other fashion. I think I only in like taking notes on four or five podcast episodes and the music used in those episodes. I think I only noticed singing in like one example out of like something like 80 podcast cues used between those episodes. Um, when I say cue, I just mean like one single unit of background music, but yeah. So the nice thing about podcast music is you can just kind of crank it out. You know, I found that I was able to make each single piece of background music for my podcast episode, I was able to make it in like, I don't know, 60 minutes to 90 minutes, roughly, depending on which one. But, you know, if I'm making like a full fleshed out three minute song for something else, like the Hyperpop, for example, (laughs) some of those took uh, like a full day worth of work trying to make that. And then even more time after that, like revising it and tweaking it and mixing it. But for the podcast cues, I'm like, ah, just throw down like, four instruments play some fun little stuff and then i'm like and then i'm done and then it barely needs to be mixed it's just like wow this is this is pretty pretty nice it's it's feels pretty seamless to me which on one hand it is easier because it's specifically background music but on the other hand maybe i should also take that as a sign of i already have a knack for making this kind of music so maybe it is something that i should pursue more in the future but Anyway, those are just some of the observations I had um, and some of the experiences I had making this music in general. But to talk about some of the music in the episode specifically, which I won't be talking about all of it because it's too much to cover, but (laughs) uh, I wanted to talk about this um, moment in the episode where I had just finished talking about the time when I went to Mexico and was scuba diving and thought my watch was broken when it got in the water. Um, Right after that, I started transitioning into talking about, yeah, so subjective time is not always the same as like measured time. And have you ever had experiences where you watch a movie and the movie is like a two hour movie, but it feels pretty short compared to like a really boring 90 minute movie or like you go on a long trip and it feels like you've been gone way longer than you actually have just because you were doing so much during the trip. When you get back, it's like, wow, I can't believe it was only a week. Anyway, that part of the podcast, um, I had this little fun piece of music that starts off with just a just a little like tapping or like stick sound, which I think is also a cliche of podcast music to just start with a single percussive element of sorts. And then to like throw in another instrument right after that. So what you're hearing right there is a marimba sound. It is the, virtual marimba instrument midi preset in logic and a lot of the a lot of the instruments that just come within the logic program are not great kind of dated or just generally cheap sounding but specifically the marimba 
I think is fantastic. Like <laughs> they they got something right with that. I just I think the the tone is super rich and especially when you put a little bit of delay or echo on it, it just it sounds great and I love it and I think it works well for for podcast cues. I I did listen to another podcast where they were using marimba a lot. So I was like, I want to do that in my podcast because it's cool. <laughs> it's a cool instrument. Um, yeah, so then I added also for percussion, um, there's already this, what you just heard, like the ta 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 that little stick groove going. And then there's this little like MIDI clap on beats two and four. But I wanted to have a spot in this, in this track where sort of the beat drops and it gets a little more grooving and exciting. So to do that, I just was like, screw it. Let's just use the AI drummer in Logic. <laughs> there is no shame in using the Logic drummer if you don't have the resources to record and mix a real drum set. Uh, basically, in Logic, you can, um, aside from just, they have a bunch of like drum kits where you can specifically choose and play the sounds that you want. But when I say the Logic Virtual Drummer, I'm referring to the program where you're literally opening it up and then it's like, what kind of genre do you want? Rock, singer, songwriter, folk, etc. And then you pick like a groove and then you just drag this little yellow dot around it to select how loud or soft you want it to be and how simple or complex you want it to be it's just those are two like scales on a little little graph and you just drag around this little yellow ball and then it just creates a drum groove for you and it's really amazing because it sounds really full and like it's already mixed you don't have to do anything crazy with the mixing to make it sound good which you would have to do if you recorded real drums and it's just you have just enough control over it where you can personalize it to the song that you want, but not too much control to the point where it's like overwhelming and complicated and hard to use. Like it's a really intuitive interface and just really convenient if you just want to throw down a simple drum groove. Um, so that is what I am doing in this track. Here is the virtual drummer who is aptly named Logan in the song like logic literally the program calls some of the genres different names and this is the the logan drummer ai and then in order to balance it out and not give too much power to our machine overlords i decided to play a real electric bass and throw down a bass groove over that virtual drummer And then put it all together with the marimba and the percussion sounds I was talking about before, and it sounds like this. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, the next I wanted to talk about was the piece of music and sound effects that was happening like right before that. So when I'm talking about going to Mexico and being on the beach, 
of course, I'm playing ocean wave sound effects and seagull sound effects that I got from the Splice library. Um, and the reason why I chose ocean waves and seagulls specifically is because that just, to me at least, that conveys the most stereotypical, cliched, sonic image of what being on a beach should sound like. Um, and I noticed there was this weird thing going on with the ocean sound. So let me just play you the original ocean sound that I found in the, the sound library. And anyway, this will probably be easiest to hear if you're wearing headphones, but even if you're not, just bear with me. I'm going to play you the original sample. So it just felt to me like something about those wave sounds, it was like almost panned weirdly or there was some sort of like phase cancellation thing going on because I remembered learning in my um, one of my audio classes in college that there is a thing that can happen if you accidentally wire your speakers incorrectly where the polarity is inverted so normally your right and left speakers should be oscillating in and out just pushing the air back and forth at the same rate, more or less, you know, so they're going in unison. But if you mix up the wiring, then it can happen where the polarity is inverted, meaning that the waveform, if you were to draw it out or look at it in a music program, is like flipped. Like it's just <laughs> exactly the opposite of what it's supposed to be. And so your speakers are going and moving like in the opposite direction of each other. And it's too, usually you can't see it with the naked eye, but it creates this weird effect where your, your ears don't really know how to like interpret the sound that it's playing for you because there's in the middle, like the phases are sort of the, the waves are canceling each other out almost, but not entirely. It's weird. So it just makes this really interesting sound. And I was wondering, why why would a why would a library sound <laughs> why would it have that that like because it's it's basically an error like it's not supposed to happen so did they do that on accident or were they trying to like specifically like do that to make it sound somehow wider or like more in the background i don't know who knows but um i'll play you the um the original again, just, just to reset your ears to how it sounds. And then I'll play my edited version where I sort of flipped the waveform back and re-inverted it to make it sound normal. Um, just so you can hear like A and B and maybe hear the difference. It is kind of subtle, but hopefully you can hear it. So one more time, here is the original sample. And here's the version after I edited it. So I'm playing both of those back at the same volume, but if you notice that the second one seemed a little bit louder, that's probably because the the right and left channels were synchronized so that they're, like I said, moving at the same rate, kind of. Um, whereas in the first one, as I downloaded it from the library, it was like opposing each other and canceling out. 
And in this case, the difference between the two is kind of subtle, but there have been circumstances that I've noticed where the the sort of like right-left speaker phase cancellation thing makes a huge difference in the sound. For instance, I was once at a museum and they were playing the song by the band Chicago, 25 or 6 to 4, and not only was like the the right and left was inverted, but also I think they were mixing it down to mono somehow so that just the two speakers combined. So you weren't actually hearing right plus left. You were just hearing them combined. Um, and it made the vocals really, really soft. And any instrument that was panned to the right or left originally in this weird messed up version of it, um, it made those instruments way louder. So like the drums and the horns stand way out in the mix and the vocals are really quiet. Um, and it was like just a total mix up, like something was wrong with their speaker <laughs> or their PA system. But I just thought it was really, really interesting. And I was able to reproduce it on my own just by, you know, tweaking some of those settings slightly. So just just for fun, here is the song 25 or 6 to 4 by Chicago, as I heard it at the museum. So obviously the song is not supposed to sound like that, but I just think it's hilarious that that sort of thing can happen just with a simple wiring mistake, you know? (laughs) Um, But anyway, so with the back to the podcast episode, so I was using the seagull sounds and the ocean waves, and I changed the ocean wave sound to make it like I wanted to per the last five minutes of this conversation, and I... Also added some ticking sounds to represent like, oh, this is my watch that's ticking. I mean, I didn't literally record my watch and it definitely you can't even hear the ticking, but I wanted to just get a library ticking sound to just represent that time is passing because that's kind of like what this whole podcast episode was about. Uh, And then I played the marimba. It's the same marimba that I later used in the... um, in the the instruments that I just played for you, like the previous track, uh, but it's just slowed down, so it's at 120 BPM instead of, I think, like 150. And I had this little synth bass going on, and then I wanted it to like abruptly cut out when I got to the part in the podcast where I w- jumped off the boat and went into, well, not jumped off the boat, flipped off the side of the boat and went into the water. I wanted all the instruments to cut out. And then I took like a filter and I put that on the ticking sound. So it started really bright and then it kind of, all those highs were taken off. So here is the ticking sound only by itself during that moment. So yeah, you'll notice when the ticking sound got darker and there's also a little bit more reverbs, it sounds more echoey, that's the moment in the podcast where I'm saying, and then I flipped over the boat into the water. (laughs) Um, And obviously it didn't sound like that in real life, but I just wanted to sort of approximate what it would have been like 
Um, but now I'll play you that same moment in the podcast, just with the all the instruments and the marimba and how it gets cut out, and we get some underwater bubble sounds that I also got from the Splice library. Here we go. So yeah, it was just really fun to play around with these sound effects, because I've never had much of an opportunity to do that before. And I have listened to podcasts here and there where they do use sound effects. Not always, but it can be a nice touch if you're like talking about a very literal scene that is happening, um, and then you use sound effects that score that scene, what's going on. I, um, For instance, I was listening to a really great podcast called Not Past It, which is sort of this popular culture slash history podcast. And they were talking about how in the 70s, there was this baseball player who, a uh, baseball player named Doc Ellis, who used LSD before a game. And while he was tripping, he was pitching and he actually did so well that nobody got on base. So it was like a no hitter. And the episode is called The LSD No-Hitter. And it used a lot of baseball sounds, crowd sounds, um, weird psychedelic sounds. And it was just really, really good and really interesting. And that episode actually got, they were um, nominated for an Ambi Award for production and sound design, which is crazy. Apparently the Ambies are like the oscars or the emmys of podcasting and they just give awards in different categories to podcasts and so they didn't win the award but they were nominated which is fun and cool and anyway listening to episodes such as that is why i wanted to kind of experiment with that on my own podcast so yeah and another inspiration i took from that episode aside from the sound effects was the music in that episode did a really good job of painting this whole scene of playing baseball while being on drugs, right? (laughs) Uh, And while I personally do not take drugs, I think that the idea of like having this experience where you're contemplating your life and feeling really, really tripped out on like, who am I? And like, what are, what is memory? And can I exist without my memories? You know, um, so in that part of the podcast specifically, I wanted to have some sort of background music that captures this feeling of like losing your grip on reality. And I was just, I was playing around with this electric keyboard sound and I was like, okay, this is cool. Let me try playing it like in the upper register and I'm going to try these really like major nine chords missing the third which for you music theory people out there is not not a super common voicing for like a nine chord i don't think um and yeah so here were the chords that i was playing around with And then in order to make it sound a little bit more like you're losing your grip on reality, I put a pitch bend automation. So rather than just playing the chord normally, it like starts below pitch and then it slowly bends up like this. Mm -hmm. 
And then to top it all off, I ran it through a guitar pedal in Logic called Tie-Dye Delay, which is like delay for hippies, basically, or at least that's <laughs> kind of what it looks like in the in the Logic. Um, and I also put like a tape plug-in on it, which makes it sound really lo-fi, like the lo-fi hip-hop that I was talking about in an earlier episode. And with those two effects, along with the pitch bend, this is what the keyboard sounds like. And then I added a few more elements, like the synth that's like kind of playing the same note over and over again, but it's like fading from the left speaker to the right speaker from the left and vice versa. And then this gnarly sort of synth bass line that's just kind of like doesn't really fit, but kind of fits and just adds to the overall chaos of the track. And then some... um kick drum and also this this really wild percussion library loop that i found from splice let me just play you this this loop i think whoever made this is like a mad scientist because it sounds really cool and anyway now i'm going to play you the full length version of this track with all of those elements combined in my episode about does time exist i produced about five or six of these little instrumental tracks um if you're just talking about like the music overall in the episode so obviously the beginning and ending music in my podcast that's played in every episode that is the song let's forget this ever happened produced by my friend bobby rethwich um and then there's a little like tiny transition towards the beginning of the podcast i think it's around like the three to five minute mark um and that's also a segment of that song um but then aside from that all the other like pieces of little instrumental music that you hear in the podcast are from me and they're like new there's something that i did within the last week or so as so i was just churning out all of these well sorry there are two more exceptions um one was i i played a lo-fi hip-hop beat that i had made way back in the lo-fi hip-hop episode so that one is not brand new it's still pretty new as a new within the last two months but not brand new um and then also the classical Chopin piano piece, obviously. <laughs> I, I, I did not write that or or play that. Um, I just kind of ripped the audio from YouTube. But yeah, um, 
it was really fun making an episode with fully like produced music and a much more detailed like outline almost not quite scripted but it was just fun to like talk about a topic like that and i think that like in the future when i'm like pointing people to my podcast episode i will include the the does time exist episode in the ones where it's like hey if if there's any episode that you should listen to as like a general introduction to my podcast i think the one about whether time exists although it's definitely not representative of the rest of the podcast it's at least i don't know like like you can tell that i put a lot of work into it i think is the vibe that it comes off with i will say that generally Compared to the hyperpop episode, I don't feel as emotionally attached to the music that I made in this episode, you know, because when I'm just like kind of throwing together these instrumental ideas and then there's just like three or four tracks and the the overall length of the composition is like 60 to 75 seconds, like I don't have as much of me invested in that as I do if I'm making like a full three and a half minute song with like so many different tracks and instruments and sections. And with the, with those songs that I played in the hyperpop episode, I was like, when I was working on them, I was like, Oh, this is so cool. I'm having so much fun. I'm like needing to bop out to these later. So like I would send bounces of the track, just, you know, the, my rough draft, I would send it, to myself from my computer to my phone and then I would play it in the car and I would listen to it and then I would listen to it on the way to work and I was just really really excited about the stuff that I was making specifically in the hyperpop episode but also the the um the progressive house and also the lo-fi episode but making the this background music in particular I think out of all the weeks of beats genres or styles that I've tried out this is the one where I'm like um, I, I feel like my my passion is the lowest out of all of them, and yet I do feel that the potential is maybe the highest, which is which feels like a contradiction. But hear me out. So, like as I said, my emotional investment is not super high, but the potential for building this up into something that I could just make a whole lot of library tracks and get like licenses for like start micro licensing my music or whatever. So like YouTubers, other podcasters or whatever, maybe even someday TV shows or like networks could potentially use my background music. Like, I think there is a lot of potential for that. And when I, for instance, compare myself to other people making music in Nashville specifically, like I am surrounded in a sea of people who, if you do music, you probably make music, whether you're a singer, songwriter, producer, whatever, you're probably making music with lyrics that's meant to be sung and performed. Um, you know, there's like a lot of country artists, but there's also pop artists and hip hop artists, but like it all revolves around that vocal melody and like that being the main focus and like releasing it on Spotify as an artist. But I just, I don't feel like there's as many people in this town specifically working on background music or instrumental music. And 
if there's less competition, <laughs> that is a really, really great thing. And if I already have a knack at it and I still enjoy it, like, don't get me wrong. I don't, I, when I say I'm not like as passionate about it, I just mean that there's some like extra spark or something that's like not quite there as much. But I think, I think I could definitely get there over time if I keep working at it and keep making, making more interesting uh, production background music. But yeah, those are just some of my thoughts. Um, yeah. And also if you throughout this whole episode have kind of had that, that thought in the back of your mind, like Martin, you keep talking about music in podcast episodes and that being its own genre, but I don't listen to any podcasts that have music in them. <laughs> um, if that's, if that's your experience, um, that's great. That's totally valid. There's a lot of podcasts. Maybe most podcasts don't use background music, but there are like, if you look at the podcasts that are extremely well produced, as in like, there's a whole team of people working at it. I'm not talking about like two people sitting at a desk with two microphones having a conversation. That is its own kind of podcast that is its own style and that's honestly most of what I do when I have like guests over on my podcast and even when I'm talking by myself obviously I'm not having music underscore my voice usually <laughs> um but then there's podcasts like if you've ever heard of or listened to serial or reply all or I was talking about earlier not past it um I'm sure there's countless other examples um these sort of more like narrative podcasts they have like certain topics that they cover in a certain amount of time and they use music to sort of like transition between them so that's the kind of music that i've been talking about in this episode and um i, I don't know if that really requires me explaining it to you but i'm just trying to like cover my bases because i don't know who all is listening to this and what all other podcasts you have listened to I do have, um, <laughs> I do listen to a really great podcast about asexuality and aromanticism called Sounds Fake But Okay. And that is like um, the, the pinnacle of like bedroom podcasting because it's just them talking about life and about relationships and about sexuality. And it's really good and they do a really great job. But it is just the two of them and they don't have time to like turn it into a more produced sort of a thing. And that's totally fine. Um, but I, I am like... <laughs> I'm I'm supporting that podcast as a patron because I really uh, value the work that they're doing and I think it's good. But the reason why I laughed just there is because I think it's a little bit ironic that um, because I'm like a patron and one of my perks as a patron of that podcast is that at the end of every episode of their podcast, they have to promote something that I want. And if there's one thing that I want anyone to know about it would be like hey i'm making a podcast too maybe you can come listen to my podcast like mainly being me being a patron and supporting them is about supporting them it's not about getting the <laughs> the, the advertisement um uh it's just a nice perk and i wonder sometimes is anyone listening to my podcast that I don't know in real life that found out about it through that that Patreon promotion thing. And if so, I would be 
really interested to hear your perspective on this. <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe all the people listening are my direct family and friends. Who knows? Um, this is honestly like one of the only times I've even tried to make like a well-produced podcast. And if I did it all on my own like this all the time, trying to make music and like a really well thought out script or whatever, I would definitely burn out. I can't do that all on my own. Most of these quote unquote produced podcasts are produced because they have a team of people that are working on them. And that's like their full-time job (laughs) where there's like in the credits, sometimes like 10 to 15, maybe 20 people. I feel like that would be a lot for one podcast, but, um, and, and they have the ads and the revenue that can somehow support that model, which is wild to me. Uh, yeah. Podcasting is a wild, wild world. Um, seems like just in terms of as a piece of media that we consume, that it is still very much in its infancy and people are still just beginning to realize the potential that it has. Um, or I don't know, maybe that was true 10 years ago, but today it's more of an established thing. Who knows? Um, I'm definitely rambling. I think I'm going to go practice bass guitar. But um, yeah, thank you so much for listening, especially if you made it this far. Let me know if... uh, Feel free to reach out if you're listening to this and you don't know me in real life, but you want to make that connection, I would be really happy to know. Or don't, just listen, and that's all you have to do, and I appreciate you anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah, okay. Have a good one, everyone. What do I see? I see my microphone cover that says Rhodes Microphones. Or just Rhodes, singular. I keep forgetting. All right. Have a good one. Until next time. Bye-bye.